You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Hello, listeners. Hello. So what did this person say? They want you to um, put RIP on your page because okay, they want their so, ex to think they're dead? Yes. So I opened my Instagram, which, by the way, is I have an, a game meme Instagram. You should follow it, at Gaby Unicorn. Yeah, um, yeah you, sh- you should follow it. A it's lot fun. of dirty humor. It's dirty humor. Um, but what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I open my phone, and I look at Instagram. And the most recent notification I had was that I received a comment. And the comment was, can you write RIP on my most recent picture so my ex thinks that I'm dead? Hmm. And that was just the most uh, psycho thing I've ever heard. (laughs) And I've seen a lot of crazy in my life. I've done a lot of crazy. That was like next level. That's Hey, I don't know. Well, you know what? You don't know their situation. You don't, don't know Wait, can't why. your ex see that you commented on my thing, though? I don't know. It depends on how think- hard your ex um, is stalking you. Okay, so stalking, I, I, I got to tell you about my stalking. But first of all, go ahead. So no, awesome. I want to talk about this. I, I want to know whether or not you should comment. Like, do you help someone convince their ex that they're dead? Because if it's an awful relationship and be like, yeah, motherfucker, I'll make you some fake papers. They're going to be really shitty, but I'll make them for you. If they're like, yeah, if their ex is like stalking them or harassing them. Yeah. Or if they're like just trying to make this person jealous. Like, I don't know. Well, I don't know because that's a really awful thing to do. At the end of the day, they're going to find out you're still alive. Maybe. Depends on how hard you try. But I guess. I don't know. That's the whole death. If you you post death. They have your account. The next time you post, clearly you're still alive. That's true. Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Unless Unless you just stop posting on your account forever. I don't. The whole I want people to think I'm dead thing. I don't. Like, I think that's too far. It's just like, it's not funny. Nobody really thinks it funny. Even the worst person. Like, it's not funny. Anyways, I just don't think the whole like pretending that you're dead is funny. No, 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 no. One time, um, I call him. So this guy I went to cosmetology school with. Mm -hmm. um, Acquaintance. I couldn't call him friend because we never like hung out or anything, but I knew him. Yeah. And he made a mistake one time. He was a few years younger than me, but he's a drag queen and he started to kind of get a little big at this time. Yeah. A little bit of a following. And he commented... um, Hi, everyone. This is this person's mom. I just wanted to let you know that he was killed in a hit and run last night and blah, blah. It was it was April 1st. Uh, and so it was an April Fool's joke. But clearly yeah. the backlash that he got on that was like, what the fuck is your problem? Yeah, no, no. April Fool's jokes you don't do. You don't pretend that you're dead. You don't pretend that you're pregnant. We know that. You don't 
Um, dude, don't pretend that you're gay. Don't, oh my yeah, God, no. don't come out and be like, no, psych. <laughs> like, there's Not just, really. there's so many April Fool's jokes you can do that aren't going to hurt people. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but I don't know what this person's story is. So yeah, we'll see. I guess we'll find out what happens. Um, speaking of stalking, so I paid some money to, <laughs> to get one of those, uh, websites where you can track people like this is some psycho shit. <laughs> this is not psycho shit. I'm doing some research, so I'm. Oh, is that I, what they call it now? Research. Listen, bitch. Okay, now I don't want to get anybody too excited because I know you're all on the edge of your seats, but I am writing a book. Oh my god! The thing god. is, it probably won't come out for a year or two, and then who knows? It's gonna, who's gonna be like pick five years. <laughs> oh my god! It's so much more work. Is than it you I, or is it you and like? The That's the problem because I'm try. I was trying to just write a simple memoir, put it out there. Everyone's like, "You should write a book about your life." So I was like, "I'll write a book." But I found that I can't really write a book about myself without writing about the IFB. Mm-hmm. It's just so hard. So I'm like doing research for the IFB, and the more research I do, the more I fall into my rabbit hole. So what's the name of your book? You have I, a name I don't know yet. There's a couple. Que- I have a couple ideas, but I don't know. Well, um, I have that really good domain. Oh, in a cult. <laughs> in a cult.com. It is the best domain that you've ever heard of. But I feel of. like that's too general and people and people the thing about in, the in a cult like I would think that'd be great for like a podcast like it's a general idea. <laughs> Coffee went down my throat, sorry. Okay. Um the thing about in a cult though, if I put that on a book, people they think a cult it's a specific thing yeah, you're and so right. they ignore right. it. But the IFB like they're around you. You don't even know it. Yeah. And they're fucking crazy. Do you see them out here? Oh, yeah, I do. Can oh, you, I can do you s- clock them like immediately? I you're can like, oh, my spot God. an eye like, here in a second. I'm like, oh, you motherfucker. You're some kind of fundamentalist. They might not identify as a Baptist, but they're definitely mm-hmm. a fundamentalist. And oh, uh, yeah, you could spot them in a second. So anyways, my whole thing was, so I got one of those websites because I was like, I need to look up like some people's criminal histories because I need to look deeper. And then <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm just typing everybody's <laughs> David. <laughs> so, you started, uh, and then you abused your power. I didn't abuse my Did power because. Did anything? Did you? No, I didn't look up you. Wow. Bitch, I know you. What do you have? If you I've have something, no, I'd I love to have know. Nothing, Next week, I'll be like, and so what we found out about Paul is, no, it's because first of all, it says you're not supposed to use it to blackmail people, which I have not. And I'm not giving out anybody's information. I'm using it purely for my own research. Anyways. <laughs> I want access. You, you can have access. It's not quite as exciting as you think because... I guess most people are just boring, which was very disappointing to me. I thought every person I looked up was going to have this deep secret and like some hidden criminal thing somewhere and nothing. It's like, so it looks like Rita ran a red light in 2007. Like, <laughs> Does it have parking tickets? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh my tra- God. Just a long list of traffic uh, I violations. have so many parking tickets from when we lived in uh, Cranston. Remember, you couldn't do street <laughs> parking? We got like a oh parking ticket every So yeah, week. if I did see you, it would be like, and they make it so they're like, Paul's criminal record is coming up soon. What you may see might surprise you because they're really trying to build it up. And then all of a sudden it like pops up on the screen. And it's just like 10 traffic violations. And you're like, <laughs> okay, awesome. What the fuck am I going to do? I'm going to blackmail him with this. I know about that ticket, bitch. Right. Anyways. So yeah, so that's blackmailing and um, stalking and all that good stuff. So, update on my life. We got a bidet. Mm. It was the best investment we've ever made. And you should get one. I recommend it to everyone. You have never (laughs) felt cleaner in your life. It's 
a lifesaver. I guess you really need one if you do a lot of ass play, just to be real. Because I don't think, I mean, I don't want to walk around with a crusty ass, but I don't no, think about it that so much. you just feel so clean. Like, every other country uses bidets. We're the only ones who fucking use paper. But why? But what? I, but I'm fine. Like, I'm not, I don't feel like I have a bunch of, like, I Think about if well. you, like, go outside and put your hands in mud, and then you come out inside and you only wipe it with a paper towel. And that's what the inside of my asshole looks like. Yes. It's just like caked. Yes. <laughs> and like a little tent because it's not like all the way clean. <laughs> and also I DJ'd a sold out 165 seat drag brunch. Mm, so I that know. was a lot of fun. DJ Polly Pocket. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's all yeah. I did. You're doing good. You're doing good. I went to Six Flags as a 31 year old man. And you know what? It was still fun. Like it was actually more fun because I wasn't afraid of heights mm-hmm. and like I knew how to pace myself and not do what I did like in my teens and early 20s which is just eat a bunch of ice cream and, and then whatever. go on every ride you can possibly <laughs> exactly. go on and throw like, up I don't everywhere. know why I'm so sick <laughs> you know so uh, it was actually a lot of fun but I did feel it a little this morning and so now I know like all the times that my parents and, and like youth leaders were like I'm so sore today like I finally get it yeah but it was fun it was a good time anyways um Welcome to your queer story. The only podcast you should listen to where we one. promote peace, love, and radicalism. Peace. <laughs> That's is our this, new... <laughs> this is just our new slogan. That's it. Okay. All our right. new intro. <laughs> Hope um, you like it. Yeah. But we are happy to have you guys. Um, we're your ho- host. We're your, your host. We're your host. Evan <laughs> Jones. And Paul Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> And we are still, it's been a good morning, everybody. Yeah, we are we are recording in the morning, which normally we record in the evening mm-hmm. after a long day at work. And now we're here on I'm a full Saturday of energy. morning. Yeah, yeah, he is. That's he's full of something. I don't know if his energy. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are continuing World Listener Month, and today we are going down to Mexico to cover the legendary Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. And we are only going to butcher about half the names in here. There's not that many that we can really fuck up. But, like, because there's a lot of, like, common names, mm-hmm. like Diego, Rivera, like, like you know. But I can't uh, even say English names, so. I know, yeah. I'm sorry for everybody that I've ever offended, which is. I've been like, who the fuck are they talking? Oh, you mean that person? Mm-hmm. Yeah, even we even finished, um, we even managed to offend the people in the UK when we were like, is Britain a part of the UK? <laughs> like, what is what is the whole deal there? So, um, yeah, we're really good. <laughs> Let's this. talk about history for a half a second, though. Yeah. When. In American okay. schools, when you go to America, like when you take history, uh-huh. you literally learn about American history, which is like 200 and something years. Yep. But like when you take history in other countries, you learn about like the thousands of years of government. So like our history is very poorly yeah. taught. It is very. It's very, very much about American history. I think there's usually like a, in my school, there was a world history class. It was one year. Mm-hmm. And I mean... World history, there's a lot of history in the world. Yeah. And of course, I mean, they only went 6,000 years back because we only believe the earth was 6,000 years old. So anything before that, we didn't even learn about. But like trying to cram 6,000 years of other countries, cultures, it just doesn't happen. And basically, we just learned about European history. So I have a strong love for European history. Very little knowledge of other right. countries. Exactly. You just don't fucking learn it. I yeah. literally, in high school, I went from American history to AP American history. Yeah. Like... Thanks, right. thanks, school. I'm sure I probably chose that, but like, 
I think I wanted the AP class versus like the standard class. So, But even when you're teaching American history, if you just teach all the ways that affect American history, like we talk mostly about American history on our, our show, but I like to think at least we talk about the other ways that other countries and influences and cultures have affected us. Like America literally, as they say, is a melting pot of the world. We are built on other cultures and other people. We, are, we don't have, we have a culture of our own now, but it's, pulled from everyone else there used to be a culture here but then we killed everybody that had that culture. exactly we could have just taken on their culture but we couldn't do that we had to establish imagine how much more peaceful the world probably would have been at that Mm -hmm. point yeah imagine i don't know because then if we didn't develop arms and stuff would we have been able to fight hitler right well who says that we who knows how that we wouldn't have developed arms again it's not that indigenous people weren't no it's um, just they had a more i feel like they had a more peaceful existence oh oh, so you said would we have risen up and fought hitler yeah who knows but then again if if america wasn't driving capitalism would we have defeated um germany so badly in world war one and would we have created this desire (laughs) for german nationalism we just broke the universe (laughs) so anyways i mean it's not all our fault but it's not like we were helping Anyways, but for but speaking of like revolutionaries and people that were like fuck American capitalism, yep. Frida Kahlo was very much one of those people. Baddest bitch. She was a bad bitch. Um, so, um, I'll, why don't you start today? All right. So today we honor Mexican painter, proud feminist, and open bisexual Frida Kahlo, born in Coyo. Wait, I got this. Coyoacan. Born in Coyoacan, Mexico City, Mexico, on July 6, 1907, Frida was destined to be an artist. Her father, a German uh, photographer, had immigrated to Mexico at the turn of the 20th century, and there he fell in love with a local girl named Matilda. I think it's Matilda. Matilda. Yeah. The couple would have have four daughters and raised them all in Mexico's greatest city, which in 1907 was a city that was bursting with new life. Just 40 years before Napoleon had pulled the last of his French troops out of the city and a new government was finding its way. Business began to open and soon a bank, post office, and hospital were built just in time for the arrival of baby Magdalena Carmen. Carmen? Yeah, it's supposed to be Carmen. Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderon. Yeah, I remember when Vima was on, she explained how um, in Latin culture, you usually take on the mother and father's Mm -hmm. last name. So early in life, the young girl would learn to face adversity as well as find her escape. When she was just six years old, Frida was diagnosed with the dreaded disease of polio. In 1913, the disease was making a comeback. For centuries, polio had plagued one civilization after another, dating all the way back to the ancient Egyptians, on through the Romans, and continuing to early European societies. But for the last half of the 19th century, that's the 1800s, it seemed the disease had quieted. However, early shines... However, early signs showed that the Americas were in for another epidemic, and little Frida was soon bedridden with the disease. Yet, it was during this time that she began to truly explore her love of art, and which, like a lot of artists, will see this as a theme, where in her times of deepest darkness, that's when she like finds her mm-hmm. love, and that's when her art flourishes. Yeah. And guess what? We're probably about to have another fucking polio epidemic with these fucking anti-vaxxers. Literally, we eradicate all of this shit from the world, and they're like, you know what? That's going to give my kid autism, so I'm just not going to vaccinate my child. Because it would be horrible to have a kid with autism. Oh, my God. that would be It would be better for your child to die than to have an autistic kid. That's literally what anti-vaxxers think. Yep. So fucking stupid. But they don't think that... 
they <laughs> I saw something before that was like uh well what happened to we live we survived without vaccines what what's going on and I'm like they're like well what happened without before vaccines and they were somebody replied people died yeah they just everyone who was sick was died and you know as they died off then the disease would kind of die and then the disease would come back like we said this goes back to the ancient Egyptians yep. so this wasn't a z- disease that just disappeared it kept recurring about every half century for hundreds of years thousands of years I wonder what the uh the thing that made it like suddenly take off was i don't know um like I, what was the catalyst obviously reading, it had to pass from person yeah. to person but like what was the catalyst that like all of a sudden it came back was it like the population got too big and everybody was living too close together um and then like oh, some of the population well, for, died in the off. early 1900s what people speculated i don't know i can't speak to the other ones but what i read in the early 1900s what people speculated was that as um People had kind of built an immunity because polio was everywhere. They were, you know, you're drinking mm. dirty water and it wasn't clean. As sanitary conditions took off, babies, because polio mostly affected uh, newborns to five and six year olds. And so young children didn't have this immunity built up to it through drinking like dirty water mm-hmm. and everything. And so they were more susceptible to and it. And then it just gradually over time, like after a couple generations or something, it. Yeah, so it's kind of like every time we advanced with our sanitary conditions, polio would spike because our bodies weren't immune to it, and then it would kind of fade away, we'd become immune to it, and then our sanitary conditions would increase, and then polio would spike again. Makes sense. Yeah. So, once her doctors felt she was well enough again, Frida was allowed to re-enter society. However, she would always walk with a limp, which was a lifelong symptom of the disease. It is important in this climate of anti-vaxxers, which we just talked about, to note that this... That in the epidemic of 1916, just three years after Frida's case, there were 27,000 cases reported and over 6,000 deaths from the disease in the U.S. alone. And that's one year. And that's just deaths. That's not even people who have lifelong symptoms. Exactly. Um, we cannot find the statistics for Mexico, unfortunately. Yeah. And that would be considered a mild year for deaths in the decades to come. As for the survivors, many, like Frida, would live the rest of their lives with serious health issues and physical handicaps. Vaccines don't just keep us alive, they keep us healthy. Unfortunately for Frida and so many other young children during this time period, the vaccine for polio would not be introduced to the world until 1955, and it wouldn't be until the 1970s that the vaccine was effectively administered to most of the Mexican population. Yeah, my my grandmother actually had polio and she has to buy two sets of shoes because one of her feet is shorter than the other so i mean most people with polio i mean if you did live which most the like the majority of people lived i mean well i don't know i say the majority but like when you compare the debt the cases um over half the people would live but like you said they lived with deformities and they also had health issues the Mm -hmm. entire rest like frida would have health issues that related back to polio for the entire rest of her life So as part of her recovery, Frida's father encouraged her to engage in sports. And not simply the girl-approved sports of the day, but the ones that only boys were supposed to play, such as soccer, football, wrestling, and swimming. Not only did this help Frida to become more confident in spite of her disability, but it also proved that she was just as capable and qualified as boys. This lesson would form a lot of her thinking in regards to equality and marginalized people. Another experience that would help her was her entrance into the prestigious National Preparatory School in Mexico City. It's awesome that her father was like so open. I mean, I don't know what the culture was like in Mexico in like that time because 
I mean, in America, it was so like you know Christian and reserved and everything. And it's I don't, very Catholic. Yeah, Catholic. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. I don't know how. I mean, in other parts of the world, would that have been seen as like a weird thing to do? It was like it oh, was. Really? It was very much like she was very much. It's not that she was an outcast, but it was very much like, oh no, you shouldn't let your daughter do that. Mm-hmm. Now her father was German, so some people kind of chalked it up to it. Oh, he's a European, so mm-hmm. he lets his girl just be free. But Mexican Latin culture is very conservative. Uh, in fact, from everything that I've learned from like our, our like uh, Hispanic and mm-hmm. Latino friends. Um, they're more conservative than even Americans. So, and her mother, as we'll learn later, was very religious. So, probably had some um, reservations. Yeah. About oh, it. she had a lot of she had a lot of reservations. She was very hard on Frida and very much against her participating in these boyish activities. Mm-hmm. But Frida was like, "Fuck it, I'm doing it anyways." <laughs> so, at 15 years old, Frida was enrolled and quickly became a peer favorite. She had an outgoing and confident personality, and even though she was one of the only few girls. One of only a few girls allowed to attend the school, Frida never let that stop her from doing whatever she pleased. Soon after being exposed to other intellectual and politically active young people, Frida joined the Mexican Communist Party. This is why the Lavender Scare happened. It's all down to Frida. Yep. Thanks a lot, Frida. (laughs) This was not an issue at the prep school, which was known to promote a deep sense of pride in Mexican culture and indigenous heritage. However, Frida's rebellious spirit was a problem for the teachers, who often struggled with how to handle such a bright and yet defiant youth. When she was only 13, Frida had been expelled from one of one school for disobedience, though it seems like this was for the best, as Frida would later recount how she was sexually abused by one of the female teachers, though Frida called it an affair. Today, we know better. Yeah, she would say, she would talk about it and say that she first had sex when she was 13 and it was with a teacher. Um, but like we know that she was too young to consent at that she was she didn't understand yeah oh yeah far too young i don't it doesn't matter what happens later it doesn't matter like how you're feeling like if you're a young person and you're having sex with your teen with your teacher what the teacher's doing is wrong i understand that you're young and you're exploring but you need to talk to someone because that does affect you later in life and what that what's important is that what that adult is doing is wrong they should not be doing that. I, I understand, you know, because they'll come in and they'll manipulate young people. You're so, you're so mature for your age. Mm-hmm. You're so smart. I feel like I've known you forever. I feel like you're an adult, and that sounds really good when you're young. It's really oh, flattering, yeah, absolutely. right? Absolutely. It's very flattering, and you don't even realize you're being taken advantage of. But it's going to hit you one day, and it's going to cause a lot of pain later on. So if that is happening to you, you need to talk to someone, find someone you trust, and talk to them. Because what that teacher or what that leader authority in your life is doing is wrong. So in spite of her rambunctious spirit, Frida managed to stay on as a student. She began dating another student by the name of Alejandro Arias in 1925 when she was 18. The two decided to take a break from class and head out on an excursion one day. Suddenly, a streetcar crashed into their bus and a handrail impaled Frida, fracturing her spine and pelvis. She would spend three months in a hospital and would live in pain for the rest of her life. But she returned to her political activism and social parties within a year. In 1928, Frida was reintroduced to famed muralist Diego Rivera. The two had actually met briefly five years before when Diego was commissioned to do a mural at the prep school. Frida had instantly had a crush on the artist, but he was 20 years older than her and, as rumor had it, enjoyed the company of several women. On this evening, though, Frida took a chance. Whether she was trying to catch the painter's eye or truly wanted his professional advice, Frida decided to show him her work. He was very impressed and would later state, 
The paintings had an unusual energy of expression, precise delineation of <laughs> precise delineation of character, and true severity. They had a fundamental plastic honesty and an artistic personality of their own. It was obvious to me that this girl was an authentic artist. And it was obvious to everyone else that the couple were smitten with each other. Even though Diego had two common law wives and any woman he wanted, the two began a relationship. A year later, they were married at Town Hall. Frida was not one to have a church wedding. While she described her mother as a religious fanatic, Frida avoided all things church and Rivera was an avowed atheist. <laughs> no, this freaking atheist. The right? Worst. Causing all kinds of trouble. Oh, God. Destroying America. Pretty right much. With have the you, gays. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The atheist made the gays. That's true. It's like the time that I came out, I told my mom, and she's like, well, you're an atheist because you're gay, and you're gay because you're an atheist. And I was like, oh, huh? What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> so their relationship was very tumultuous, partly because they were both artists and drama fed their passions but also because of Diego's many affairs, his extreme jealousy, and Frida's inability to carry a baby to term. There are speculations that Frida deliberately ended all three of her pregnancies. We do not know... Uh, we do know one abortion early on was as a precaution against her damaged pelvis. Others have suggested she terminated her pregnancies in a dramatic rage or because she feared Diego's wrath if the child was not his. There is also the very practical reason that Frida's body was n in no condition to carry a baby to full term. And anyway, that was her decision to make for herself. Regardless, it does seem that her lack of procreation caused a rift between her and Diego. It was very odd because, like, I would read these conflicting reports where she talked about how she was going to carry Diego's baby. Um, and then another parts, like, she was doing all these things, like she would ingest this poison to uh, promote a miscarriage. But she was also a very spontaneous person mm -hmm. some might call it erratic um but like where like what her she was very driven by her emotions in the moment right well you gotta think you of know. how she grew up um with the fanatic mother if mm -hmm. she never dealt with the way that her mother acted and the trauma that could have caused her or maybe she thought the way that her mother acted was normal i don't know that her mother was erratic but as a religious fanatic i can yeah. only imagine yeah well her mother i mean her mother did seem to be uh, like on that yeah. the same plane and um there was a painting i i didn't put it in here where it's like it's um it's a very i don't know how to interpret it because i'm not good at interpreting art oh no me neither but, i'm like it's a nice uh picture of a lake <laughs> yeah so i was like oh wow what a fantastic look at the way the water shines yeah exactly so but it's um it's a mother giving birth but there's a towel covering the head and then it the looks the like baby? the head no there's a cow covering the head of the mother but then it looks like the mother's head has been severed and put down in um where her vagina is and you need to show me this painting. I do. I have to. We'll have to post it now because people are like, "What are you talking about?" But it's supposed to interpret like um, Frida's mother, like how Frida felt her mother viewed her. And I, I don't know. Yeah, like you didn't get like what the view was. I was like, no, I don't. Okay, we're gonna interpret it together <laughs> later. After we'll we'll talk through it. But anyways, the whole point was yes, like she had very conflicted feelings about her mother and about herself being a mother mm -hmm. because of her relationship with her mother. Yeah, like I don't know. She, yeah, maybe she was like, I don't know how to be a mother because I never, I never received yeah, that treatment. Exactly. She's that also, and she's also a strong feminist right. and she wants to her, she wants to be an artist first. She wants to be seen for that. So like, she doesn't see herself as a mother. There's so many factors in play about mm -hmm. why she wouldn't have a baby and it doesn't matter because you don't have right. to have it's reasons, her choice. but it's just like, but people would just 
speculate like what but why like she would talk about how much she wanted to have a baby and how she wanted to be pregnant well maybe she was like i want one but like kind of how david and i talk about it we're like maybe in our 40s like you know i would love to be a mother but like not right now not today not tomorrow yeah but you know who who knows it's a me or you um i think it's you the newlyweds moved to more The newlyweds moved to Morelos, Mexico, for a few years. It was during this time that Frida embraced her Mexican ancestry even more deeply, choosing to wear her hair and clothing in very traditional Mexican styles. She mostly chose women's attire, though she was not opposed to men's wear. In a 1926 family portrait, Frida can be seen uh, donning full male attire. But her everyday style was Mexican peasant dresses. These dresses represented... Kahlo's mestizo background, which was an old Latin reference to individuals with European and indigenous American descent. This this terminology was used widely through Latin America. However, in Mexico, it became an entire culture culture, as mestizo people proudly recognized their mixed ancestry. Mestizo? I don't know. Mestizo. 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 It's one of the things where we should have had Vima on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. right. But yeah, it's that's a huge thing about Frida uh, Kahlo too, is um, what she did for like Mexican, like uh, recognizing, honoring Mexican ancestry, being proud to be Mexican and being proud to be um, a Mexican person of mixed race. Like she did, a, like she was very much about that culture in a culture that had been so beaten down yeah. by the French, by European colonizers, by Americans in the Mexican American war, just like again and again, having people try to take and rip your culture from right. you. And she very proudly owned her culture. So in 1930, the couple traveled to the U S for Diego's work and settled for a few years in San Francisco, California. Frida was always open about her love for women. And it seems the couple had some form of an open marriage though we would not consider it a polyamorous relationship as there did not seem to be a mutual respect for each other's outside relationships. Again, polyamory is different than an open relationship because polyamory is about an entire lifestyle and mutual respect, whereas open marriages are normally kind of, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we won't completely police each other. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's an issue, but (laughs) it's not supposed to be. So... um, where was I at? Uh, Rivera was passive about Frida's affairs with women, but would become incredibly irate when she took up with another man. He even divorced Kalo, He even divorced Kahlo for having too many affairs, only to remarry her a year later. And yet there were so many stories of the couple bringing a third party to their bedroom, and Rivera was known to share his messages with Frida. It's very, like, that's possessive. Yeah. That's, that's just abuse, where it's like, okay, you can fuck all the women you want because I think that's hot, but if you take up with another man, I'm going to be angry. Also, I'm going to have a thousand mistresses. Right. You know. Yeah. It was during the early, their early years in America that Frida and American painter Georgia O'Keeffe met. The two women bonded over their love of art, though Frida was still struggling to na- make a name for herself. They would begin an, an on-and-off affair over the next several years, which were the which were what most of Frida's affairs consisted of. While she was independent in so many ways, Frida was completely infatuated with her husband, which kept her close to him and her individual travels limited. This means she usually took up with her lovers when Diego's work brought them together, but the couple had partners all around the world, so there was no need to fret. Jesus. Yeah, right. <laughs> wish, huh? <laughs> uh, well, I've got this person in, uh, in Germany. I have this person in London. I have this person in... Uh, uh, 
Toledo. Tokyo. <laughs> when are we when are we going to Florida? Because I'm telling you, Mel has been dying to see me. Right. <laughs> uh, during her time in California, Frida also continued her affair with photographer Nicholas Murray, who would later become famous for his partial nudes of Frida, much to Rivera's irritation. In 1933, Diego was commissioned by Detroit Institute of Art to do a mural, and the couple spent a year in the Midwest. Frida had spent her time on U.S. soil in New York City and San Francisco, two American cities she adored. But Detroit, Michigan was another story. <laughs> Shit. Mm. She was appalled that hotels refused to service non-whites and Jewish people, and she was disgusted by the wealth gap in the prevalent city. So The wealth gap so prevalent in the city, but also in the prevalent city. Mm-hmm. She wrote to a friend, Although I am very interested in all the industrial and mechanical developments of the United States, I feel a bit of rage against all the rich guys here, since I have seen thousands of people in the most terrible misery without anything to eat and with no place to sleep. That is what has most impressed me here. It is terrifying to see the rich having parties day and night whilst thousands and thousands of people are dying of hungry hunger. This was in the 1930s, so... I wonder what's changed. Wow, gosh. I, just, I think I feel like it's just gotten worse, it's, to be it's, honest. Yeah, it's just moved more out of Detroit. That's what's changed. Yeah. So definitely wouldn't consider Detroit a rich place anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, Frida was very open about her disdain for Detroit society, often expressing her particular dislike for Henry Ford, an ardent capitalist and a bit of a bore. It was also during this year that Frida had a miscarriage, which was the second terminated pregnancy in her and Rivera's marriage, putting further strain on the couple. And just three months later, Frida's mother died of complications from surgery. Kahlo had always had a tense and frustrating relationship with her mother. Matilde Kahlo was a strong woman who showed little emotion except when it came to God. This time of grief prompted several paintings from Frida, most notably Henry Ford Hospital, which was a self-portrait, her mo- one of her most notable works, that represented her miscarriage. Just a year later, she had completed her well-known Frida and Diego Rivera, which was interpreted as some of to show Diego's devotion to his work and the couple's strenuous relationship. Yeah. She was very big about calling out capitalists. She hated capitalism. And Henry it's Ford. Got, look where it's gotten us today. Right? Exactly. Like back in the 1930s, uh, Frida was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. And Henry Ford's like, oh, no, listen, listen to me, sweetheart. It's going to work. It's going to work. Fantastic. Exactly. And uh, here we are where there's this massive wealth gap and literally America's crumbling and everybody, there's like the top 1% who have all the money who is doing nothing Yeah. to save the country. Well, did you see that thing? There was a good uh, tweet by AOC. You know, we love AOC here. And um, and she was talking about like, I, I, I'm just, I'm totally um, like quoting the tweet in my own way but she's just like she's like you know when we talk about extreme wealth and distributing and distributing it like we're really talking about 10 people right there's 10 people in the country that have such an insane amount of wealth that it's just not right we're not talking about millionaires we're not even talking about billionaires almost we're talking about like 10 people that have so much wealth that they could essentially wipe out the rest of us like it's, right literally 10. it's asinine it's asinine and and people are like we, well, we can't take that money from those people 10 people you just redistribute redistribute some of their wealth and you have you bring the wealth gap so much closer yep but whatever 
So the following year, Diego was commissioned by J.D. Rockefeller to paint a mural on the New York City Rockefeller Center. At last, Frida could get the hell out of Detroit. She was also eager to see her lover, Georgia, who was recovering from a nervous breakdown. Frida later wrote to another friend about the visit. O'Keefe was in the hospital for three months. She went to Bermuda for a rest. She didn't make love. Was, it says she didn't made love. She didn't made love to me that time. I think on account of her weakness. Too bad. Well, that's all I can tell you until now. <laughs> well, fuck. Get over your breakdown before I come back next exactly, time. Exactly, right? Pull yourself together, Georgia. Despite their inability to make love, it is no doubt Frida was happy to be in New York with her many friends and lovers. <laughs> While Diego was a worldwide name, Frida was far less known. However, her time in America did a lot to boost her reputation. She was not afraid to speak to the press, and the press loved to speak to her. She was flamboyant, controversial, witty, and arrogant. Wow, that was me. She often boasted... <laughs> I'm sorry, we're doing Paul Hobbs a biography? <laughs> she often boasted that she was actually the better painter in the family, even though few people had seen her work in the mid-1930s and most laughed her off. One Detroit paper had belittled her in the title of their interview with Kahlo Wittred, wife of the master's mural... Wait... Wife of the master mural painter gleefully dabbles in work of art. Wow. Regardless. <laughs> How cute. That's like the ultimate, like, <laughs> the, oh, go sit back down, little lady. Let your husband do the talking. Yeah, exactly. Regardless, Frida did an excellent job of getting her name out in the papers and creating a buzz. But she was, a, but she was homesick. So when Diego was fired from the Rockefeller Center for putting communist Vladimir Lenin and his mural, the couple returned home to Mexico. <laughs> so he's like, I'm just going to sneak this in. Nobody's going like to notice. A little thing. Like, don't do it, Diego. Don't do it. No, no one's, one's going to know. Gonna, they don't even know what he looks like. Come on. Oh, my God. You know? <laughs> it's like, it's great. Um, so the couple bought two homes in the wealthy neighborhood of San Angel and built a bridge between their houses. And I want to say this because some people, you hear this all the time, like Bernie Sanders has a couple million dollars, all mm -hmm. right? And he said once, he's like, I wrote, I wrote a best-selling book, and when you write a best-selling book, you can have a million dollars. And so people are like, oh, when are you going to pass that out, Bernie, because you're just a socialist. Socialism, and even communism, although communism, not so much, but socialism is not about you can't be wealthy. It's right. again, that you shouldn't be obscenely wealthy. Right. Right. You can have wealthy people, just not people who, 10 people who have more money than every other person in America combined. Exactly. Yeah. 10 times full, 10 times what everyone in America has combined. Right. So that's, that's the thing. When you have people that are so obscenely wealthy, they essentially, that they are your lords. They don't have the title of a king, but they are your lords. You serve Any bills those they wealthy want passed, people. Hey, you want $5 million? Pass this bill. Exactly. If you want to know who the king of America, his name is Jeff Bezos. That's who your king is. You can say that you don't believe in king. You can say you don't um, ascribe fidelity. What is it? Fidel what is it? Fil mm. Fidelity? Not, I'm what? Not fidelity. What's Equinox? It? No. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> fealty. Fealty to your king. Oh. <laughs> okay. That's what it is. Fidelity. <laughs> you can say that you don't worship your king or you don't honor your king, but he is your king. He controls what you do. And if he doesn't like something, Jeff Bezos could do whatever he wanted to you in America and nothing would happen to him. Yep. He is your king. He is your lord. So we, we have not gotten away from a monarchy system. We've just changed the way that it looks. And so, but again, it's not that you can't be wealthy because Frida and her husband were wealthy. Diego was a world-renowned artist they just weren't assholes with their wealth and they distributed their wealth mm -hmm. you know and they opposed people becoming obscenely wealthy 
So uh, Diego was resentful at returning to Mexico, and this further strained the marriage already on the point of breaking. For the next two years, Frida did little painting. But then in 1938, she met a new muse in Japanese-American sculptor Isamu Nagushi. The couple were very passionate, and Frida's art flourished. She, well... She claimed. Oh, yeah. Thanks for being able to read my... my um... I've read so many typos during this <laughs> podcast, I just know what you mean when you read it. like... All right, she claimed, I just want to fix this. Okay. Where's, where's my done? Where's my done? Okay. <laughs> Anyways, her painting flourished. She claimed that between 1937 and 1938, she painted more than she had done in all her previous eight years of marriage. Fuck you, Diego. She had an yeah. art opening in 1938 and made her first big sale that same year. She also was invited on a solo tour of Paris, which she quickly took up. Bye. <laughs> so long. Frida's time in the city of love, which I also misspelled. I don't know what I'm doing. This is literally every episode we've ever done. Shut and up. I'm just stumbling through because I'm like, what is that word? What <laughs> Stop is that blaming word? it. Stop blaming your white ass mouth on my writing. Okay. <laughs> Frida's time in the city of love further established her legitimacy as a world renowned artist. There are also rumors that she took up with Josephine Baker oh, during I this time. Oh, I hope so. Though we have no evidence of their affair. It happened, everyone. <laughs> Confirmed. So in the movie so, um, by Selma Hayek that's just called Frida, it's 2002, they do like where like Frida meets Josephine in a club and they fall in love and they have this affair, and which everybody wants to happen. But no, just, it happened. It definitely happened. <laughs> Paul's Paul's decided that it happened, so it, it happened. happened it's folks. true. I told you this is the only podcast. We you don't even have to. a record that they met, but there is no way that Frida didn't went there. <laughs> Frida and was and like, Joseph. <laughs> Let me go see this astounding woman who is breaking barriers left and right. There's no way she didn't at least go to a show. Oh, I'm I'm sure she did go to a show. I think she actually did go to a show. I just don't know if they they met, but I'm sure they did. I mean, both very strong women, and I mean, who the hell would not want to sleep with Josephine Baker? So. I mean. The only woman I've ever been attracted to. <laughs> All right. uh, when Frida returned to Mexico in late 1939, she was eager to see her longtime lover, Nicolas Murray. Murray wanted Frida to leave Diego, who had become increasingly more possessive. When Frida and Is- Isamu had attempted to rent an apartment together in Mexico City, Diego had tracked Isamu down and threatened him with a gun. But Frida could not bring herself to leave her husband. Nick, is it... Is, who is Nicholas? Is he from Mexico? Where is he from? Okay, either... Nicholas is from Europe somewhere. Okay, so it's Nicholas, not Nicholas. Ni- yeah. Nicholas wrote, Of the three of us, there was only two of you. I always felt that. On his part, Rivera filed divorce proceedings. Frida was left broken again, and again, her work flourished in spite of her pain. Her portraits, The Suicide of Dorothy Hale, and Two Fridas, painted during this time, would become two of her most recognized works. The couple did get a divorce. But then remarried in 1941. <laughs> this is like that couple that like they're they unfriend each other on Facebook, <laughs> and then like a few months later, you see that they're like friends again on Facebook exactly. and they're posting pictures together. Oh, there's a SNL does this fantastic bit. I hope they come back with it where it's an Instagram couple and they're just like it's like they come on this show and they'll be like so lovey, and then like throughout the the bit they start to get more and more angry, but they're still trying to keep their Instagram image. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, they love each other so much. But and and it's like just so. <laughs> so typical of like social media couples yep. and artists, right? So 
Um, so Frida's work was the talk of the art world. Upon her and Diego's reconciliation, Frida took up with Diego's mistress, actress Paulette Goddard, who was married to Charlie Chaplin. And um, you, I, Paulette Goddard, Goddard was fucking gorgeous. Like giving Josephine Baker run for her money. Like I was like, oh my! Like I saw, her, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ! I, I'm feeling a tingle. The relationship between Paulette and Frida was quite complicated, and it is not quite clear whether Frida was attracted to Paulette or wanted to be Paulette. After all, Goddard was stunning. Of all Diego's affair, this seemed to be the one that Frida was most jealous of. She cut her fair, she cut her hair in defiance of Rivera because of Goddard. Yet she also painted one of her masterpieces, flowers in a basket, for Paulette. And there was another one of I think nude women nude in the forest or something and it's two women who are nude mm -hmm. in the forest and it was supposed to be of her and goddard either way goddard was quite tied up with the couple she even helped diego elude authorities when they were investigated for the murder of frida's other lover leon trotsky as for frida she was imprisoned for two days and heavily interrogated over suspicion of the communist leader's murder the government probably killed him because he was communist oh yeah we're like, all pretty yeah there was there is plenty of people that wanted Trotsky murdered, but <laughs> uh, interviewing Frida and Diego Calo was like not, or not Diego Calo, Diego Rivera and Frida Calo was like, they were like not the right. people, but they're just trying to make a show of it. Oh, like he was, he was murdered in a jealous rage right? just because they want to cover up their tracks. Despite the controversy that surrounded her at home and abroad, Frida was loved and appreciated as an artist. She established the Seminar on Mexican Culture and was brought on as a teacher for the National School of Painting in Mexico City. Sadly, her health was greatly deteriorating and by the end of World War II, Frida was mostly confined to her home. She would spend the last dec decade of her life in Casa Azul, the name of her home, but created her most well-known pieces. Broken Column, Wounded Deer, and Without Hope were all painted during this time. And the names alone can show you how she felt. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so depressing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very, very, like, the epitome of a tortured artist. Yep. You know. In 1953, Frida was so ill, the doctors forbid her from leaving her bed. However, her first solo exhibition was scheduled in Mexico City. Frida had her bed transported to the exhibition hall, and then, once the guests had arrived, she was transported in on a stretcher. This would be her last big public event, but it was a smashing success and so embodied the resilience of Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo. I, my fucking white mouth. Frida <laughs> Kahlo. Frida Kahlo. Uh, the resilience of Frida Kahlo. The next year, she would paint her final pieces. Her last painting was titled Viva la Vida, which means live life. On July 13, 1954, at 47 years old, Frida Kahlo passed away from a high fever and possible intentional drug overdose. She had lived her remaining years in such pain and was ready to go. The casket at her, her viewing was placed under a communist flag as hundreds of people came to show their respect and then her body was cremated. The last words she wrote were, I joyfully await the exit, and I hope never to return. Yeah. That's so tragic. And the saddest part is that her health sounded like she was like an 80-year-old woman. Exactly, right? She's 47, and she's just like... And it just sounded like she was like, couldn't get out of bed, like, crip. I, in my head, like, you know, knowing the story, but in my head, I was like, this is like some 80-year-old woman, like, on her deathbed. No, yeah. she was 47, and I'm sure some of the decisions she made in life may have affected, you know, I don't know if she was like doing drugs or anything. There could have been other yeah. forces, but this is to show you like what polio and other mm -hmm. diseases can do to you and why it's so important to make sure everybody's vaccinated and exactly. prevent things like this from happening because it can just, it cuts your life 
and a half. Oh yeah, I'm I'm almost stu- like certain that this was directly related to oh, Paleo. Uh, yeah, I know that she like indulged in some things, but it wasn't ever to any extent. Like she wasn't like a raging alcoholic. Yeah, or anything no, like that. She. She had, I mean, she had polio and then she had that accident when she was 18. Yeah. And those two things combined was just, it was just too much on her mm-hmm. body. And I didn't put it in here, but she, uh, she created over 140 works of art in her lifetime, which is, it's just incredible. We should get a couple prints for our room. I'd love to have a couple. We have the candle. We have our little Frida yeah. ca- candle over there so we can pray to the goddess mm-hmm. just as she would want. <laughs> <laughs> so... Your recommended resources are The Diary of Frida Kahlo, an intimate self-portrait compiled by Carlos Fuentes on Frida, a biography of Frida Kahlo. Uh, Or Frida. Or Frida, a biography of Frida Kahlo by Hayden Herrera. Sorry. (laughs) Tried to roll my eyes, didn't happen. (laughs) You can also check out the movie Frida with Salma Hayek. Though it does take some strong liberties, especially in the relationship between Frida and Josephine Baker, which we all love to fantasize about. However, in recent years, as it has come out by Hayek himself, that the intense lesbian scene was only recorded as Harvey Weinstein's punishment to Hayek for denying his sexual advances. We don't want to taint such a great movie, but we do put the information out there. Yeah, so she, yeah, I mean, she, I think it won several awards. It was a big thing, but she did come out and say later that she, I mean, she intended for there to be a romance between her because Salma Hayek produced the movie as well. Mm-hmm. And she, and I believe she also directed it. She intended for there to be like a, a romance there. But um, when Harvey Weinstein came on to her and she refused him, he came out and told her that she had to do a lesbian scene. And like he came and like watched it and it was just such a creepy, uncomfortable thing. Oh, have you seen the movie? I have not. I wonder if you can like feel the weird, like the creepy vibe. Yeah, in the creepy. Cre- yeah, because yeah. I'm, I'm sure they were extre- obviously they were extremely uncomfortable. So I wonder if like you can read that in their acting. Yeah, like how uncomfortable they. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that may- maybe I don't know. I have. I I want to see it. It's something that's been on my list forever. I just haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. So I mean, that, not to say you shouldn't watch it, but just it's keeping those kinds of things in mind right. also. But. Anyway, so check out those recommended resources. And uh, next week, we're going to be back with an unscripted episode, but a fun one. Um, this one, we're not going to do the Queer Liberation. We're going to do I'm Not Gay, You're Gay, World no, Edition. you're gay. No. Not me. No, I'm not gay. You're I'm gay. I'm straight. I'm, I'm the I'm most point straight zero, passing. No, I'm point zero. <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. I'm just putting facts out there. <laughs> All right, stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. We love you, our little allied hookers. And a little succulent saffis. And our proud homocrats. And don't forget to have some sodomy this week. Every week. All day, every day. At least seven times. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.